Welcome to The Unranked, where we go mining for hidden gems in the prospect world. The Unranked is produced by Figure Filbert. Check us out at figurefilbert.com, where you can also find all the latest bargains from Dick Sporting Goods and other partners. Get your Little League team ready for the season. Stock up with our discounts. And now for this episode, here's our host, Matt Gardner. Welcome to another episode of The Unranked. On this week's episode, we take a hitter close up with Craigers and Kyle. And we debut a new segment this week where Kyle takes a deep dive into one of our Dynasty rosters sorely in need of an exam. Thanks for joining us once again. Here's The Unranked. All right, welcome to another episode of The Unranked. It's Matt Gardner again from figurefilbert.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're joined today by a couple of awesome dynasty owners. Mike Kregesis, who's written some for Prospects Worldwide and is the commissioner of Simply the Best. Mike, how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks for being here. We're going to come back to you really quick because you're doing a live draft right now. So we're stoked to hear what happens in that next pick you've got up. But joining us also today is Kyle Brown, who we're going to call Doc Brown for the day and give him a crazy white-haired wig from Back to the Future, if you're not of a certain age. Kyle writes for Pitcher List and Dynasty Guru and hosts the On the Farm podcast for Pitcher List. Kyle, thanks for being here today. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, you don't have to give me that wig at all. I already have that hair, natural. Um, <laughs> I keep it pretty pretty spot on up there. I don't mess around. I've been Doc Brown for a while. Excellent. Thank you, Doc. Uh, speaking of which, where can people find you on Twitter and catch up with your writing? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at, at CaughtLooking, but you spell that with a V instead of a U, uh, as if it was etched in marble on uh, some Roman building that's thousands of years old. Uh, that's how I like to roll. Uh, also, some group of artists that failed in Austin, Texas, has the Twitter handle that I want with the U, and I'm, I'm sure they've all passed on at this point. So it's just it's the way she goes. It's the way she goes. But at caught looking with a V instead of a U. Thank you, Doc. Okay, Mike, what about where can people find your Twitter handle and your writing? Uh, my Twitter is at Mike Craigslist. So it's M-I-C or M-I-K-E-K-R-I-E-G-I-Z-A-S. Very, uh, very Roman Greek, like what you were talking about, Kyle. It's, it's a hard name to say and spell, but but that's it there. And and you'll notice that Mike is Canadian because he said Zed. We love having a Canadian on the show. Zed? Are you guys? Oh, you guys do the Z. We say Z. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Z. <laughs> All right. So Mike, tell us, tell us a little bit about the the draft that you're in right now and what you're set up to do next. All right, I'm in a draft right now. I have a little under 10 minutes to make my pick here. Um, I need a catcher. I need some relievers. I need some more pitchers. I just need I need a bench guy, too. So this draft what is... We, what what I, round are you in, Mike? I'm in round 15 of 50. So the first 25 rounds, we have to take major league eligible guys, so... I'm looking for somebody like that. In round 26, we can take minor league players. But that's kind of where I'm shining in this and, and where I'm 
waiting for, and right now I'm having a rough time picking a, a reliever. So at um, this point, you're just trying to fill it in until you get to the prospects. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking at Castillo from Tampa Bay right now, or Blake Training from uh, the Dodgers. Mark Melanson, I'm looking I at like, him too. I like Melanson, man. I think he's going to – I think there's enough weirdness – with some of those some of those pitchers in in San Diego, that Melanson and just his sort of I've been a closer stuff could could win out in the end. You got saves and holds in this in this league. They're both yeah both and they're both their 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 own category. So there's two of them and it's not saves plus holds. Oh okay, I like I like Melanson man. I think with Pomeranz being a lefty, Pagan being a little bit squirrely, uh, I would I would I would have no problem tossing Melanson out there as like a decent you know, saves option, then there's going to be ample wins in uh, San Diego. Yeah, that's a good point. Kyle, let's, let's go deep on relievers for a second. What's your take on the, um, the chaos in the Philadelphia bullpen? Ooh, there's a lot going wrong in Philadelphia right now. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I still sort of think that it's going to shake, like whenever there's chaos, it seems to default to, for better or for worse, just the known entity right um man yeah i don't know um i still think i mean we're we're st- i still think at the end of the day it'll be god i mean how many how many games did they blow last year like every single game that they were ahead yeah it's like um, a record it's something absolutely insane didn't uh did they get a new pitching coach i think think so? I don't know. I try not to follow the coaches too much because I have no idea what I'm even looking at sometimes. Well, do you guys ever listen to Mason McRae? Yeah. He's a very analytical guy. He uh, He's really high on, on Philly's new pitching coach. I think he was he was big in the in the college world. Mm. So I don't know. I, I haven't really looked into that much, but I remember hearing him say that and saying that a lot of their prospects and pitchers are going are gonna to turn it around coming up shortly here. Interesting. I mean, I think I, I think honestly, with with sort of the erratic nature of Naris, that that Bradley could win out as the main closer guy. But I also just think they could just throw a bunch of a bunch of options at it throughout the year and and try to ride the hot hand. I mean, hey, maybe even Vince Velasquez will find his 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 role that he has eluded him for a decade. No, I God. totally agree with that. In fact, I think this is the year that Velasquez moves to the bullpen and shines. You got I a mean, big Band-Aid? You need a Band-Aid, Matt. Band-Aid. <laughs> Vince, Vince oh, Velasquez has definitely hurt Matt's heart many, many, yeah. many years, I can tell. I can just it's hear bruised. his voice. Okay, and so the Phillies pitching coach is Caleb Cotham. He came from the Reds, and it looks like he's an analytics guy. So you're right, Mike. He's, he's the new guy. Ooh, if he came from the Reds, does that mean he's, uh, he's, he's also a driveline disciple? I think so. Let's and that would, see. That would lean into the analytics stuff. I mean, that's that's interesting. We'll see. Hey, maybe Matt Moore can be good again. Maybe he can fix Matt Moore. Whoa. That would be something. That would be That would be a great story. I mean, Matt Moore was pretty great in Japan last year. Pitched 92 innings. 92 innings, folks. Matt Moore. Totally first great. Overall first, first overall pick, wasn't he? Ah, Matt Moore? Was he first was he, I know he was rated he was above great. Trout and Harper that one year in the prospects list on MLB on Pipeline. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt Moore was an eighth rounder because he was a. I think yeah. he was a prep, prep arm. Guys, I'm at the five minute five minute warning here for my pick. 
So what are you going to do, Mike? You got to let us know. I don't know. I got you. Want to hear my cue? Yeah. Yeah. Cue it up. Okay, I got Andrew Benatendi, Luis Arez from Minnesota, uh, Kyle Quantrill, Garrett Garrett Hampson, Rowdy Telez, Evan White, Sam Hilliard, Michael Chavez, Kyle Wright, Ty France, J.A. Happ. I got Verlander in there, but that's going to be a later pick, hopefully. This is a dynasty, so if he comes back and throws a year next year, that would be a good pick later on. Mitch Keller. Oof, no. Brandon Nimmo. What's that about Keller? I, I just, I'm, I, I, I'm worried about Keller, man. Keller might not be good. <laughs> All right, Nimmo, Brandon Nimmo, Manuel Margot, Brian Reynolds, Buster Posey, TJ Antone, but I can't take him till 26th round. He still has rookie eligibility. Uh, Diego Castillo, Willie Adamas, Jose Quintana, Elvis Andrews, Oscar Mercado, Chris Bubik, Nico Horner, Blake Trinan, Nico Goodrum, Justin Dunn, Eduardo Escobar, Mitch Garver, Mark Melanson, Ison Diaz, and Cole Tucker. Is it an OBP league? It is. Well, that, to me, elevates guys like Brandon Nemo, who's going to hit high in the order and get on base at 400. He yeah, is take take over the eye chances from Pete Alonso, too. My only worry about Nemo is right now he's listed at, on roster resources like potentially platooning. Uh, That's true. They don't have a true center fielder. That's yeah, but they did they, not really deal with that. Yeah, and they signed Pilar, who's the other side of the of the plate and can still run around out there. So that is my worry. With I think it's tragic because Nemo's I love Nemo, um, and I mean Luis Arise isn't going to give you very much else other than some OBP. But I actually kind of like Brian Reynolds in there for for a bounce back. I don't think you I think you can just honestly throw out his last season. He was in his rookie year. I mean until he faded because he's a rookie and is young. He was legitimately competing with Jeff McNeil for that batting title, and he can walk. And he's no one's coming for his playing time in Pittsburgh. So. So would you take Brian Reynolds over Carlos Santana in an OBP league? I don't think so, man. Carlos Santana, I think, has showed enough that he's just he's 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 shown enough times that he's probably going to be giving you even if even if his BABIP tanks and he hits 200, he's going to somehow be a 350 OBP. Uh, yeah. And if and if and if he gets a, if you're talking about a solid BABIP year for for Santana. I mean, now you're now you're now you're flirting with a 400 there. Um, just like he can do it, you know, he can just choose to just walk whatever 18, 20 percent of the time like he does. So I don't know. And I, I it, it Kansas City this year feels like a fun place to play. Maybe not a very successful place to play, but I I would have no problem with with taking Santana or Reynolds there. Um, yeah, I just think you're getting more reliability. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't even have Santana in my queue. I've been looking at him for a couple of rounds. He's just he's that solid guy. Just gets it done, and maybe hitting it with Merrifield and Solaire and all those guys, Benatendi in there. That could be an exciting lineup. I don't know. Yeah, middle of the order. You're going to get, you know, every day at bats hitting in front of Solaire and behind Mondesi and Merrifield. It's it's just good production year in and year out. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Witt maybe coming up. It just seems like a it seems like a fun time. Yeah, you know what? I did it. I just took Carlos Santana. There we go. Thanks, guys. So, Mike, give us a rundown of what your uh, your starting hitters look like now on that on that team. Um, this team's pretty old, to be honest. <laughs> so, not how I usually do it. I don't know. I'm going for more more guys that I know are gonna 
are going to be there, like what we just talked about with a guy like Carlos Santana. Um, so I don't have a catcher. I got Paul Goldschmidt, my first baseman. Uh, Jorge Polanco, second base. Matt Chapman, third. Corey Seager, shortstop. And how, here's where we kind of get a little older. You want me to do the older guys first? Yeah, yeah. So Charlie Blackman. I know he might not stick around in Colorado this year, but, I mean, the guy's a hitter, right? Yep. Gets it done. Still drives the same Jeep Cherokee that he drove in college. He's my, my kind of guy. Um, J.D. Martinez. He's one of the only guys in baseball right now that I could still say could hit for a triple crown. You know what I mean? I, I like J.D., man. I mean, and we, he got the in-game video back this year. That's what he lost yeah. last year, which was a part of it, and then it was only 60 games and all the other fuckery. But mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he's, he's the guy that I'm looking at, a big bounce back, him and Baez this year, because they both were using that in-game video a lot, and then it was totally taken away from them. And if you're a DH and when everyone else is fielding, all you're doing is watching your at-bats to see how they're getting you out. I like, I like J.D. Martinez as a big bounce back this year. Yeah. I got uh, Clayton Kershaw. I got him in the fourth round, 58th overall, and I couldn't stand to watch this guy not get drafted. I think he's just one of the best, and, and he's going to put up solid ERA and whip, no matter if his strikeouts are lower and, and, the, innings aren't, and the innings aren't as high, but he's going to get quality starts, I think. It's, it's wins plus quality starts league, so I took Kershaw. Um, I got DeGrom. I got Trevor Bauer. A couple of my younger guys are uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Ian Happ. Christian Javier from Houston, which I'm not 100% sold on, but he was there and a little bit exciting. Freddie Peralta from the Brewers is a good good pitcher. He's uh, He's got a chance to start this year. I could throw him in reliever. Pitcher spot, going to get me some points. J.D. Davis from the Mets. I think I think a lot of Mets are going to have a good year this year that, that had not so good years last year. And I just took Carlos Santana. So that's, that's my team right now. And I'm hoping to uh, – fill some holes and and make it stronger with some of these these rookies that are are up this year for sure mike do you have uh five outfielders and two utility spots or what's the what's the lineup setting like what's my lineup what's the uh the spots the the league settings yeah um so what do you mean how many outfielders yeah and utility so we got three outfields it doesn't have to be left field center field right field it's just three one utility the pitching is you got three starters, three relievers, and then three just straight-up pitchers. One catcher league. No corner infields, just first base, second base, third base, shortstop. And you mentioned, I think, before we started today that that league also has saves and holds each as separate categories. Yeah, so relievers are going to be kind of big, even though I'm kind of kind of letting that fall right now. You can find relievers anywhere. You know what I mean? Closers come from all over the place in baseball every year, guys to get holds. I'm not big on drafting them. Same with catchers. I mean, Buster Posey's still sitting here. Took the year off. I don't know. There's a lot of catchers. To be honest, I, I think I said earlier, I'm looking at maybe a guy like Dalton Varsho to fill that hole, like in the 28th round, 27th Love round. Love it. Yeah. That's so, good. Kyle, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and I think it's uh, worth noting there's a pretty good argument for just taking all of last year's stats and throwing them out completely and going back a year just to get a reset on player value. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's dangerous out there, right? Because there's you, 
it feels almost like uh, like how a lot of people are treating spring training this year, where they're just wanting to take the good and leave the bad and just frankly use all that information for confirmation bias. Uh, you know, oh, I didn't like a guy, so he's so so I didn't like a guy and he didn't do well in the 60 game season, so I'm, whatever I'm done. And then this guy who had a good little a good little run, uh, I'm just going to totally boost up. So for me, I'll look at a few things like uh, I, I think you, you're not throwing out fastball velocity like that's a real thing you're not throwing out velocity gains or velocity losses you're not throwing out exit velocity or launch angle gains or losses too much i think you know if they play 40 50 games you can take a little bit of that as uh, as something to at the very least note you know you don't want to just ignore that that could be something that is sticky um for the next year but there's just a lot of guys out there that didn't perform and there's a lot of, you know, I, I take a guy, frankly, like like a Brian Reynolds. You know, Brian Reynolds, yeah, he his rookie season was was very good, a little bit better than most people thought would ever happen, and his bat was 380 plus that year. So that was there was you know likely going to be, and he's not like a super speedster or anything, so there was likely going to be some regression there. But you know, you I think you more than more than ever this year, I'm going in and I'm actually trying to read what the players said, right, like. I'm, I'm not every other year. I'm just going to be ignoring like, oh, best shape of his life, or is working on a new pitch, or working working on a new swing, or changing his approach, blah blah blah. Like I wasn't really ever clued into that, and I would just look at performance and try to watch as much as possible. But this year, it seems like I want to go back and I actually want to know. Okay, for example, Brian Reynolds has said that he, because of the 60 game season, because of what he what he did the year before. He didn't go into the year like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just try to be good. It's going to be a long haul, 162. He tried to go in and be impactful for 60 games, and he pressed. And as a sophomore player pressing, it, it all fell apart. And, then, of course, Pittsburgh is a terrible place to play if you want to pick yourself up off the mat. So um, that's I'm looking more at what, are, what, are, what, are, what were players' experiences last year and who actually – had the mental fortitude to get through that or who was just swallowed up by the craziness. Um, and people didn't, you know, like players didn't play normal schedules. Some players just played Pittsburgh and Detroit, like hello, Trevor Bauer, right? Like so it's, you, you have to, you either are going very deep to try to get these tiny little minutiae out of what happened, or you're just saying, you know what, I'm going to go off 20. Here's the problem though. If you go off 2019, then you have to remember about that juiced ball. So you can't just go back to 2019 and, and like, oh, this is the last season on record, I'll take that, because we've sort of forgotten about how messed up 2019 was as well. Um, but, you know, I don't know. My thoughts, are, my thoughts are obviously all over the place. But I look at, you know, I saw another guy that was in Mike's queue there was Ty France, and he's having a nice spring, but he, and he destroyed the PCL in, in 2019 uh, as yeah. a member of the Padres. And, you know, he definitely seems like the kind of guy that just needed a shot, and it seems like he's getting his shot in Seattle and I mean, when he came over at the end of last year, he was he was okay. Uh, he actually like performed decently, and, and at least in terms of hope, and and maybe you can throw a flyer on him and and return a lot of value. So you either have to sort of, in my opinion, throw it out and look at the full picture of the player, and maybe try to clue in on some of those those like statcast gains and losses, or you have to really 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 go deep to look at the look at what else was going on. And I think the J.D. Martinez in-game video stuff is huge there um, because there's just a lot of those little details about how different the season was. And, like, I don't know, I wasn't the same person last year either in my normal life. So it had to affect these guys. I mean, they're not robots. So 
that's that's sort of my general take is that you really you just have to be careful. Um, more more than ever before, you have to be careful about how you're treating that 2020. Um, and now I'm just trying to figure out who has angles into the starting gig and not freak out about what I'm seeing in uh, what I'm seeing in spring training. You know, a guy like Brian Hayes is very similar. Like Brian Hayes, and I'm just going to talk about my Pirates if you let me. But like Brian Hayes, he came up and he was he absolutely destroyed the ball, and I wasn't expecting that at all. And then you read an article about how he's like, well, I'm a contact hitter, but I know this hard contact is kind of a thing. So what I just tried to do is come up and swing harder and hit the ball harder. And that sounds like sort of stupid and easy, but he is also, you know, you look at a guy like like Tyler Freeman in Cleveland, and it's like, well, contact hitters can grow into power easier than power hitters can grow into contact. And if someone has elite contact abilities and they haven't been prioritizing attempting to smash the ball, and then when they come up to the major leagues, they are prioritizing that, and it goes very well. I don't know. I'm going to look in on that because if we had a regular season last year and Cabrian Hayes was service-timed, which he would have been in Pittsburgh, he may have just utterly destroyed the International League at AAA you know, for, for 40, 50 games and forced the hand to bring him up. But because of 2020, it appeared as if it came out of nowhere, sort of like a mystery. So that's sort of my general take. You either have to go really, really, really deep or just sort of gloss over it and try to, try to think in broader strokes. I love that. I think I want to add one element that I didn't hear you mention, and that's pitchers that added a pitch. So I think you can't ignore pitchers changing their mix, and I'm happy to throw out other data. A bad fastball is still a bad fastball, and if a pitcher that has a questionable two-pitch mix adds a, another pitch, they may have changed their formula quite a bit. So um, I'm all in on buying all the shares I can of Chris Paddock. While his numbers were bad last year, he's added a cutter, and now got that sort of get me over fat, uh, curveball working, and uh, I'm I'm 100% yes on guys like Chris Paddock adding a, another pitch to his mix. Yeah, I think that's you definitely want to take note of that um, and see if you can get in before the price goes back up for sure. No, I totally agree. It's like, like, what's your take on on what to do with numbers from last year? I don't know. I think you guys are right. Kind of throw them away. Uh, adding pitches is awesome. Um, Everybody found new ways to to do things and, and get their mind off of this pandemic. And I think uh, professional athletes they, they, they did the, yeah, they did the same thing. They they worked on their game and they tried to figure out new things. So a lot, yeah, like you said, a lot of those numbers might have been guys just you know farting around with new new pitches and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard. You're right. They, a lot of people were depressed. A lot of people were were messed up from this stuff and. And those guys, they're not robots, like you said, Kyle. Um, you got to just kind of look at what they did the year before and, and just hope this year everybody kind of gets back to normal. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't I look you, last year. Yeah, I mean, look at, like, look at like a guy like Mike Trout, right? We can, go to the, we can go to the upper tier. Like Mike Trout had a kid in a pandemic, was thinking about what to do, how to play, and then he's playing for a team that, isn't necessarily it will definitely didn't compete and everything started to go wrong. And I mean, he said it himself, right? Like he had a down year, but it's also like, does, was Mike Trout going to try to steal 15 bases in 60 games last year? Because, well, I don't know, whatever, you know, like, or is he just going to gear up for next year? You know, maybe be distracted a little bit more by his new family than he, than he would before because of all the things happening. Like, I don't know, you know, you just, there's too many question marks, and if if how my life was was just was messed up, you know, in 2020 and 2021, 
if they even experienced two or three percent of that, then like, yeah, it can throw you off your game. I mean, baseball's ridiculously hard. Yeah, like even even owners. It might come down to even owners saying, you know what, guys, just just pump the brakes, try and have fun this year. Don't worry about taking that extra base or you know what I mean? Just let's just do this, let's get it over with and let's come back next year. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's that's sort of why I'm reading more you know, with a sort of a lack of stats to, to dig into or stats that I can't trust and don't want to go too hard on. Um, I think it's, I'm reading more about players experiences uh, than I ever, than I ever have. And, and that's also the same for prospects too. Like I'm, I want to know what the prospects who, what they did, how they spent their time. Like I, I read an article on how Alec Manoa spent his off season, which was, you know, him and his brother down in Florida, not having a place to work out, you know, pitching in their driveway. And then they started like a gym um, that had a giant space for, for prospects and for people to, to come and work out. And you see sort of that level of, of dedication amid the lockdown and, I don't know. I think that's a that's a huge sign for me as opposed to hearing some other things about like, oh, well, this player showed up 30 pounds heavy and clearly wasn't doing a thing uh, in the lockdown to to necessarily keep his game tight, uh, you know, and he's 17. And so it can all come off the rails real quick. So, well, as you guys know, the the unique mission of the unranked is to identify hidden gems that are buried deep in the systems of major league clubs that may not show up on the top 300, 400, 500 prospect lists every year. So we love taking a look. We're going to do hitter close up this week. And um, Kyle, maybe I can throw to you first. You've got a hidden gem in the Mets system in their infield. I do, yeah. Uh, I like a guy by the name of Carlos Cortez, um, you know, quite a bit. And this is it's going to be for deeper stuff, obviously, which is sort of the 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 axe that uh, the unranked is trying to grind here. But he's 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 got a very interesting profile. He hits the ball very hard, so there's that, right? I mean, that's what I am initially attracted to. Um, and he his last sort of full stop, um, cause we can get to his numbers that he put up in 14 games in Australia this year, which were aggressive to say the least. Um, but his last stop in 2019 was the Florida state league and he played 127 games there. And that is a league that notoriously, well, it doesn't exist anymore. There's, there's been some shuffling in the minor leagues. Don't know if you've heard, but, um, yeah, he, he was in the Florida state league, which just has some giant ballparks. I mean, if you look at some of the ballparks, in that league, they are, and then you think about the Florida air. I mean, they're, they're, they're cavernous. Um, so it, it depresses power quite a bit. And in 127 games, he still smashed 11 home runs, 26 doubles, walked 52 times, you know, against 77 Ks. And the overall triple slash is like 255, 336, 397. And that's something where I think you can really, you can, you can give those numbers almost like a 20 point boost across the board. And if you're doing that just because of the parks, and if you're doing that, I just feel like you, you have a solid, uh, the, the player has a solid trajectory and he's athletic enough where he's going to, he's going to force his way into the, into the major league roster, I think, because he can play many, many positions. And he's got one of those weird, sort of like weird stories sometimes when it comes to, to prospects that betray a little bit of their athleticism and he's an ambidextrous thrower, and and uh, he he's just the kind of guy that I I don't know I hitting the ball hard, 
doing well in the Florida State League and, you know, being able to play multiple positions, that to me is just someone who is going to squeak their way into the major leagues. And if he's given enough chances, that hard contact could really keep him there. Uh, and I also just like guys that are able to command the zone. I mean, 55, 52, 52 walks in 127 games as a youngster is pretty solid, but only striking out 77% of the time. Not sorry, not striking out 77% of the time, but striking out 77 times. That would be a record. That would be quite something. Adam Dunn, <laughs> eat your heart out. Um, but you know that uh, that that to me, I like guys who can command the zone, but also still hit the ball hard. Because that's sort of like a delicate balance that a lot of guys can't find um, is is both advanced plate discipline, the approaches there, and then the ability to pick out pitches that you can drive and then actually drive them. I don't know. I think there's a little bit more there than maybe meets the eye, and this is where we'll get into what he did in the Australian League, which is 10 extra base hits in 14 games with a lovely triple slash. He was clearly going for it because he struck out 14 times and walked three times. So he was just he was all out. 392, 429, 706 for the slug. So he just went to Australia and just had a had a good old time. But yeah, that's that's pretty much Carlos Cortez. I mean, he he's the Mets system is. I did the Mets system this year for for pitcher list, um, and I think that with what's happening at the major league level and the the talent that they're stacking, it's going to be a little bit challenging for for him maybe to to get in there, but. With the ability to play those multiple positions uh, and do damage with the bat, slugging-wise, I, I think he can. I think he can get in. I think he can make his way up. And it's he seems to me to to me to be the kind of guy that if you give him major league at bats, after a couple more years of the seasoning, he's not anywhere close to being ready. I don't think, especially with sort of the lost season last year. That you know he's he was the third rounder out of University of South Carolina. Uh, he played very well in college, and he was okay in his turn uh, in the uh, the Cape Cod League. Didn't like set the world on fire, but was pretty solid. That to me is you know the SEC he's handling, and that's that's a very difficult college league to play in. He's handling the you know uh, Cape Cod League, which is a very difficult league to play in, and he's doing it with a wood bat. And then he is coming into, you know, the minor leagues and he gets to one of the hardest leagues to play in, in the Florida State League. And he, you know, had a 119, uh, 119, what do we got here? What am I looking at? He had a 119 uh, WRC plus. So Carlos Cortez is someone that I think is sneaky. And I think he also, he's a tiny little guy, right? And I think that's something that, honestly, I'm hoping that we're almost sort of done with – with this idea that short guys can't play. Yeah. You look at like, you look at Alejandro Kirk, what he's doing. You look at, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know I'm a Nick Madrigal guy and not everyone is, but like, it's just not a death sentence anymore to be f- Jose Altuve. Like it's just not a death sentence to be five, seven, five, eight, five, nine. And, you know, have a, have a nice little gut on you. Yeah. Those dudes can, can still hit if given the chance. So yeah, I mean, he's, he's just been above average everywhere he's played. Uh, and I think, you add that to the hard contact, you add that to the defensive versatility, and it's not like he's a defensive wizard, but hey, he's not a he's not gonna hurt you if you put him in multiple positions. That's the kind of guy that's uh gonna find his way to the major leagues, I think. So yeah, that's that's pretty much Carlos Cortez. So for reference, Carlos Cortez is not on the new pitcher list five hundred. He's on MLB pipeline for the Mets at number nineteen, which puts him around 
600 or so if you're using the pipeline sort of rankings as a as an index. It's that's perfect territory for the unranked where you're getting somebody that's off the boards of most people that could pop where you're looking for upside. So, um, you know, I, I definitely agree. I think that the second base position is is a little light right now. So there's there's a window where you might want to grab a few of these guys to um, to take a shot at two years from now. That the chances that he'll get an opportunity for some playing time and if he does, he's got a shot to make uh, damage. I mean, you know, it's a great hitter profile. I shouldn't say great. It's a role player hitter profile, but uh, one that could actually be productive for a deep league dynasty team. Yeah, that's and that's what you need to find in the big, you know, 20 team plus 20 team plus leagues. You know, he hits the ball in the air. He's over 40% fly ball percentage at both stops. And you can even look at a slightly lower BABIP at uh, – at the Florida State League to even further depress those those numbers in a very pitcher friendly league. So, to me, that's more than enough to uh, to remember in a in a big deep draft as someone who can seems like he's got a decent little floor to maybe be a utility player for at the major league level and play multiple positions and it's going to have value. Love it. Thank you, Kyle. We'll get right back to our episode after this quick break. The Unranked is brought to you by FigureFilbert.com. Check us out for discounts, coupons, and special offers for your baseball season. From big league merchandise to your little league team at FigureFilbert.com. Mike, uh, following uh, Kyle's take on Carlos Cortez, who's your hitter for the hitter close-up this week? My hitter is uh, from the Detroit Tigers, Roberto Campos. Okay, outfielder with the Tigers. Tell us about Roberto. Um, he's a big boy. He doesn't have any stats, but I don't know. I just I've grabbed him in every league I'm in. Um, I really he's six foot three, two hundred. There's some video of him hitting. He's just a guy I really like as someone to dream on. Um, a guy that could pick up huge helium in a system that that is needing guys, young guys, to come up. I know he's still far away at, at 17, but give him two or two more years till he's 19. This guy could be destroying pitches. He's huge. Um, he reminds me of Meglio Ordonez. I know it's a Detroit comp, but I don't know. When I see him hit the ball, he kind of reminds me of Mags. And that was a good good ball player. Um, I don't really have that much on him, but he's a guy I really like and a guy I've gone after a lot. So Fangrass has him as a future potential 50 hit 60 power Mike and you always love those guys that are built like a brick shit house. so uh, <laughs> if he if he does reach that kind of ceiling at, at 50 and 60 he's going to do a lot of damage uh, what what kind of player profile are we talking about are we talking about a DH a guy who's going to sort of grow into having no glove or are we looking at a potential right fielder here well I don't know maybe left fielder um yeah, I don't think the arm's that great. Yeah, but 17, and, and you, you know what? A lot of these guys haven't really been taught by major league um, major league guys. It's all go and do it, but I don't know. I don't really look at anybody unless they're given a, a 50 hit tool at least from now. The 50, he has huge power. Um, like I said, I don't have too much on him. I just I watch some video, and I go after him everywhere. He's a guy you can get really cheap off people He's as, as a throw-in in a trade. And he might pay off huge in a couple of years. Um, I just love the the big guys, different body than uh, than the guy that Kyle said, but Cortez. But um, 
I don't know. I just like those guys you can dream on, those those international big big guys that, that are going to hit bombs and middle-of-the-order guys. So one of the risks with this kind of profile, of course, is nothing to do with the player, but he signed in July of 2019, so he's never played a game in, in professional ball. And, and, of course, that means we have no data from last year to see what kind of power he's growing into, what sort of fly ball rate, what sort of exit velocity. So what's a, Not, what's a tip that you would give, Mike, to, uh, to dynasty league owners that are in deep leagues for what to watch for as you get into uh, actual minor league games again in, uh, you know, about a month into the season? Uh, don't pay much attention to if he strikes out a lot right away. Um, hold on to him for a year. He's 17 years old. Um, Watch his doubles. Watch his walk percentages. If his if his strikeouts are high and his walkouts are up to, or his walks are up there too, then he's taking good at bats. Um, there's going to be video. There's video everywhere of people. People have Instagram now. You don't need fan graphs 100. percent You can watch video. If you know hitting, you can you can watch it. And I don't know. As a 16 year old, I've I've seen video of him, and he looks very confident in the batter's box. He's he's there's a video I watched, and he's at, uh, I think he's at Comerica, so he's with all the uh, all the MLB guys, and he looks like he's been there for 10 years. Like, that's the kind of stuff I look at. Um, you know, like, rise above kind of guys, and, and I just think that he has that at 16 years old, and I don't know, he's built like a brick shithouse. He's built like Zion Bannister, um, and he's a couple years younger, so I don't know. I see big power in him. Good-looking guy, too. That's always a plus, right? Charisma counts. You got to have charisma to be a star, for sure. You got to get, you got to get the cereal box in the ads, and he's one of those guys who could be the face of a franchise. So, Kyle, before we come back to to my guy, do you have a take on the sort of lost season for minor leaguers? Do you? I mean, it's obviously going to set a lot of people back, but what are we going to look for this spring to to get uh, tips on, uh, you know, guys who've who've actually surged? Yeah, uh, I think the. For me, the lost season for minor leaguers, I think, is really going to hurt. Uh, it's going to hurt the unpolished. You know, it's really going to hurt the guys that have light tower power but needed to work on contact, and that's really going to come from getting more reps and seeing more pitches and improving their pitch recognition. If there's a guy that struggled with pitch recognition, I think a year off of seeing live pitching is going to be more of a problem. If there's a guy that just has inborn talent, uh, inborn contact abilities, that's that's the kind of skill that I don't see fading, even even if they had to train in isolation. Um, I'm I'm gonna try not to get too drunk on uh, on alternate training site stuff. I'm gonna try not to get too drunk on instructional league statistics, but at the same time, you know, I want to hear about reports that are good for like a guy like Tyler Soderstrom or. You know, even like a like a second rounder, or I can't remember exactly which round he was taken last year, but Evan Carter was a really young kid for the Rangers. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they did it in structural league. I want those stats. But at the same time, it's really going to be who was just a prospect who needed to hit more. You know, there's another guy in the, who needed to play more to be a better hitter, and that was the only way that they were going to move their profile forward. You know, I think about a guy like maybe uh, Mark Vientos for the Mets. You know, he was a guy that was sort of surging. He had another one of those solid years in the Florida State League, and he was going to, you know, probably probably attack double A. But he was a guy that just needed more reps to be able to get to his power more often. Those are going to be guys that I'm just, I'm not going to fade, but I'm just going to sort of hit the pause button 
until I see what has come out of the, the off season, because there's going to be stories on both sides. There's going to be stories of dudes that did very well in isolation and were actually able to advance their game specifically because they were going to be, I don't know, able to work without games. You know, I've been hearing a lot of stuff about like Pavin Smith in Arizona and how he was saying, if I had to play every day, <clears throat> I wouldn't have actually been able to do the work I did on my swing. I wouldn't have actually been able to focus on making those types of changes and then try to implement them in the alternate training site games every day and in the instructional league. And then obviously, as we saw in the major leagues, um, he didn't play in the instructional leagues, but so that's, that's, I guess, again, it sort of goes back to like, you got to read more. You got to go a little bit deeper to, to get at some of that information and then the broad stroke is if you struggle with contact and you needed more reps to be able to maximize your, your power over hit profile, um, I'm fading you a little bit. If you're one of those guys who just puts the bat on the ball, no matter, no matter who you are or where you are, I'm probably boosting you up a little bit because I'm going to be leaning more on floor this year than I am on ceiling. I think that's a money take. Thanks, Kyle. I, I think uh, the player I'm going to talk about exactly in that same space and, and goes right along with this trend. He's a little bit older, but I want to talk about today a guy called Michael Triano with the Reds. He really went under the radar last year because he signed in January 2020 out of Cuba for $1.3 million with the Reds. He's already 20, so he's not like the usual J2 guy who's, uh, who's you know, sort of a 16, 17-year-old. I beg your pardon, he's now 21. So he's already 21, has never played in – uh, an affiliated system uh, because of the lost year, but he's a monster. And so the comp I have for him is maybe a little unfair to put this kind of expectation on a guy, but he's really, to me, a left-handed Miguel Sano. He looks exactly like that, that sort of power swing, built for power. He's a giant. Um, you know, coming up through the, the red system, uh, you know, he's – he's really sort of forgotten and already 21. There's a little bit of age risk there because he's a bit older, but just has monster power. And so I think, you know, a little bit older J2 guy can slip through the cracks. Uh, he's on MLB pipeline reds, number 26 on their prospect list. He's not on prospects list, list five, uh, 500 from February, the February update. And, and it's that kind of guy that I think, you can get basically free off the wire in your deeper dynasty leagues. Um, if the power pops and if he's able to make contact going into organized ball for the first time this year, uh, he'll be an absolute power monster. And I love that kind of profile. He's probably a first baseman, although he signed as a quote third baseman. I'm using air quotes here. He's really not going to end up a third baseman that, you know, he's going to have to slide over to first with his size. But, uh, you know, for a guy who's basically free now to have that kind of power profile, uh, he's potentially next winter a huge profit for you. And, and as Mike loves to do, take the profit on guys like that occasionally and uh, trade them in for uh, current major leaguers if you need to, or save them for the first base pipeline, which is, you know, not all that deep. So I love Michael Triana. I think the Reds got a steal here for a million bucks, and I'm really hoping to uh, to get a chance to, watch him play this year uh, for, uh, for a pro team. So excited about what the Reds got uh, from Cuba. You guys are way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're simply the best, Mike. Oh, thanks. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that was good. Hey, just a quick note for listeners of The Unranked. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. 
And do us a big favor, leave a review. Let us know what you think of the show. If you've got a question or a topic to suggest, send us an email at podcast at figurefilbert.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Paging Dr. Brown. Paging Dr. Brown. All right, so we've got a great new segment this week. We're debuting something with Kyle that we're calling House Calls with Doc Brown, otherwise known as Please Unfuck My Roster. Kyle, we would love for you to take a look this week at one of my uh, dynasty leagues called uh, the Moneyball League, where I'm holding a, uh, a team of uh, uh, 40 uh, in a 16-team league that's a salary cap. Uh, my team is the Reno Aces. We all have minor league team names in that league. And uh, generally want to get your take on what to think about a roster mix when you're in a relatively shallow league. Here's 16 teams with rosters of 40 where minor leaguers are allowed to be owned. But when you've only got a roster of 40, how do you split between hitters and pitchers? And how much roster room can you really afford to devote to prospects when you don't have really deep benches? Kyle, what's your take on the Reno Aces? Well, let's see. Uh, there's a couple things I like. There's a couple things I don't like. Um, and generally speaking, when you're – my answer for this last year would have probably been before the pandemic would have been a lot different. I, I would be leaning a little bit more on the depth side for pitchers just because I think injuries are going to be a little bit more all over the place this year. Um, and when it comes to the prospects that I would be willing to pay for and roster – I'm definitely going to be avoiding anyone who is 17, 18 years old, unless maybe there's someone with the hype of a Jason Dominguez that I would probably use in a trade to someone who doesn't understand that you can't let that much cap space go for, you know, you think about it almost per year. So it's like, if you're going to get, let's say Corbin Carroll might cost you $21. Well, you're probably only going to have to pay that $21 for a year or two max Whereas, like, you may have to pay that $21 for Jason Dominguez for four or five years before he's ready to come up. So I basically, you know, broad strokes, I'm going to fade prep arms, I'm going to fade prep bats, I'm going to fade guys who are not, you know, who are under 20 years old. I'm really going to focus on who is going to make the major leagues on a quicker timeline, both on talent and on opportunity. So and I, look at, uh, I look at some of the guys you have. I'm almost going to start bench first because I feel like that's sort of, you know, what, what underpins this is you got some really good cheap minor leaguers that are talented and also have a pathway to playing time in the near future, like call it a year or two. So you have Trevor Larnock. I think he could potentially hit his way to Minnesota this year if uh, the injury bug bites Minnesota as it has in the past. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of Duran Duran Duran. Uh, he, you know, his, his power gains and swing chains seem to be huge and, you know, service time notwithstanding, he could do some damage in Boston this year. Um, Hunter Bishop for the, for the Giants, you know, he's got the, he's got the profile on the OBP that is the kind of profile where it's like, all right, let's see what he does against major league pitching because clearly he can command all the strike zone and walk 20 million percent of the time if he needs to. You know, you got the, the shortstop in waiting in Arizona and Geraldo Perdomo, which is very good. I mean, they've traded away all their other shortstop prospects, and he should be making his, you know, he should be making the major leagues relatively soon, probably not this year, maybe next year. Uh, Carter Keeboom, who apparently got LASIK surgery, so it's like now maybe he can see the baseball, so maybe that's why he has been terrible so far. But 
you know, he's he's another one who's going to likely come up. I mean, he already got a little bit a little bit of burn, but he's going to come up this year, uh, maybe do some damage. Maybe we'll find out he sucks and you can drop him. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Tristan Casas, uh, who is making all sorts of waves for Boston, who is more than likely going to be up if he hits sometime this year, at the very least next year. So your core of hitting prospects, and I would, you know, lean more on hitting prospects because they're just more reliable and don't blow up, is looking pretty solid and pretty close to being ready uh, to, to help you in the now. So I like that. And, I mean, if you're going to have a bench of a decent amount of minor leaguers in a, in a league that's this shallow, you want to make sure that they're close so that you either, A, hit on them, or, B, know that they're not going to be a hit and can move on. Um, so I like that, you know, hitting bench to start. I like that quite a bit. And then you have some other guys in there, like Miles Straw, who's apparently going to be leading off. Gio Urshela is a nice, a nice guy to have, you know, on your bench who you can slot in if needed. Um, always going to get good counting stats for the Yanks. You have Nick Madrigal there, who is, you know, a prospect who's already arrived and is likely going to be able to, I don't know, he'll, he's not going to be a zero. He probably won't. He's he's floor player, obviously, for for a team like this. But then I really like, we'll we'll, we'll flow this into the uh, into the starter section. You handcuffed. Mitch Garver at, at catcher with Ryan Jeffers um, in your in your on your bench and Ryan Jeffers right now is slated to be the starter. I do think they'll they'll split some time and be all over the place. But you you have no matter what happens, you have the person who's going to be catcher in Minnesota, depending on who hits more. Uh, and and you also have the guy that's going to be there when the other guy doesn't play. Um, so that that protects against injury, that protects against performance, that protects against days off for catchers. So I like that a lot. Um, and then looking at the major league roster, you you went very big on the salaries for some players that could be gigantic. Um, I am starting to drink the blue Kool-Aid for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Pretty, I would say it's almost in a beer bong type of situation at this point that I'm just letting it <laughs> shovel down my gullet as quickly as possible. And, and, you know, I'll come up for air when it's done. We'll see how I feel. Uh, that's... You know, he's he's. I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid player in this league. Yes. But but to take a shot on what his possible performance could be this year, I I don't know if I would have gone highest paid player, but I don't hate it, and I think it's something that he's still young enough that even if he even if he's middling this year, he's better than he was, but he's not quite the superstar we expect him to be. Even with that salary, you're going to be able to ensnare someone to take him on because you can still dream on him being the best hitter in baseball. He's only 22. Um, and and then you have a lot of uh, you got a lot of position eligibility flexibility with Ketel Marte and and Dylan Moore as your shortstop. I'm not a huge Dylan Moore guy, but it's definitely worth taking a shot on. Um, so your shortstop position is a little, you know, you're 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 asking a lot of Dylan Moore, I would say. Uh, in this, yep, in, that is definitely the weakness on this team. Yeah, and you know that's where you hope. Keyboom can maybe come up and maybe now he can actually see. I always find it amazing when people get LASIK and I'm like, were you wearing contacts? Were you just, what are, you, what are we doing here? Um, so that's, that's like, I, if someone can please give me LASIK because I would love to see the world perfectly, and especially if I had 90 mile an hour fastballs flying at me. Um, so there's that. Uh, and, and so before yeah. you move on, I, I just want to point out how spot on that is. I know I didn't show you the entire league, but Jason is twenty three bucks, and somebody's gonna have to sit on that for five years. Yeah, exactly, dude. That's that's that to me is that's so to me that's sixty sixty nine dollars or whatever. Yep. That's a four hundred dollar league. Yeah, four hundred dollar total. Wow. Yep. That's a big percentage. 
It is. And you're, it's lost basically, right? You're going to, it's sunk cost for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's too much. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, you, you also went giant on Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, which is great. And I totally support that. It's a little bit, you know, you have some good value with some older dudes like Josh Donaldson, who could very well just go belly up with the calf injury again, but you, you have Gio Urshela on the bench. You have guys like that to sort of help out if, if and when that happens. Um, you know, but then you got like Alex Verdugo for six bucks. That's amazing. Trey Mancini, who everyone's forgotten about, despite the fact that he's beaten cancer and hits in a very tiny ballpark uh, for his home and for a lot of his away games, he, four bucks for him. I don't know how you got Dominic Smith for a dollar, but it's criminal and you should be taken out back and beaten. Because that is, that is, I mean, and that handcuffs the, you know, Vlad, like let's say Dominic Vlad Guerrero has first base and third base eligibility in this format. So if Donaldson goes belly up, all okay, that's fine. Move Vlad into third base, move Dom into first base, and then move you know someone like any of your your decent bench options like an Adam Duvall or uh, or uh, you know that Nick Madrigal or Jeffers or Straw uh, to uh, you know to fill in that utility spot. I like I like all of that quite a bit, and you you didn't. You had to pay a little bit for Josh Donaldson. Seventeen bucks is, is is not bad, but Josh Donaldson, like if Josh Donaldson won the MVP this year, I wouldn't. It, it, there, there's players that would shock me more. You know what I mean? If Josh Donaldson right. was like, oh, I'm I'm healthy for 150. I hit 40 home runs and I played Gold Glove defense and I didn't have a calf injury, he's going to be one of the highest ROIs on this roster uh, at seventeen dollars. So. I think you you definitely it's interesting that you have a weakness at shortstop because it feels like the deepest position in baseball right now, but that sort of speaks to maybe there's options out there for you to acquire someone on the cheap should some things you know go to shit uh, during the season. So overall, and I'm a huge Cattell Marte guy. You got Cattell Marte for four dollars, and I'm just he's one of those guys where I'm like throw out 2020 folks. Throw yep. out 2020. He still destroys the ball. Go and look at his seven-minute home run reel from 2019, and it's not a juiced ball situation. He is tattooing balls from the from the right side and the left side. Humidor in Arizona, be damned. And I, you know, he 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 doesn't strike out that much. He's another one of those guys that can command the zone, but the exit velocities are just out of control. He's destroying the baseball in spring in terms of exit velocity, which is something that I'll I'll look at. And I just think Cattell Marte, I mean, we just forget that he was, I don't know, top 20, top 15 hitter in, in uh, 2019 and plays second base in outfield. Like, I, I just love that. So him for $4 is, that makes all the other things like, uh, you know, spending $93 on the potential of Vlad Jr. a little bit easier to swallow because I'd be, I'd be happy paying $20 for Cattell Marte in this league uh, easily. Um, so yeah. him for 4 bucks is, is gigantic. Um, when it comes to the pitching... Now, let me make a note about the pitching settings in this league. It's a little bit odd, but it is 9P slots. No SP, no RP. So it's just an open setting. Okay. Okay. That's it. I like that because I like – that's one of the things that I just – you know, I'm a, I'm a head-to-head player, and this is a head-to-head league. And that's one of the things I just don't love about Roto Leagues is that they really – you know, Roto that's not points-based or whatever um, – or as you know, a points-based league in general. I just, I like the ability to sort of be like, you know, I have an idea about a way I can construct a roster to sort of tease out more value in a in a sideways direction. And it, I, I, I don't know, I like that quite a bit. So th- those are those are sort of fun settings to play with. 
I'm you got Aaron. You have a cheap pitching staff. You don't. Your highest paid pitcher is Brandon Woodruff at nine dollars. Um, and if Brandon Woodruff won the Cy Young and the NL this year, I also wouldn't be shocked. You know, if he's able to pitch the full season, he could come through with some pretty insane numbers. Uh, Milwaukee's able to get a decent amount out of their pitchers. It would seem if they can keep him healthy. Um, I'm a huge Aaron Savale guy. I really like. You know, especially for a league that, you know, you're going to want to get innings out and you're going to want to – Aaron Savali seems like a guy that is just classic Cleveland, right? He's just classic Cleveland blueprint. He doesn't have the great fastball, but his, all his secondaries do weird stuff. He changed his arm action this year to be a little bit shorter, which has been a successful yep. thing for, for Bieber and for Giolito and for other people uh, in Major League Baseball. It seems to be a rising tide of, of pitching to, to shorten up your, your, your arm situation, just like, you know, Jameson Tyone is, is trying to do for now the Yankees. And, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman's another guy where I I have him actually in the sympathy of the best, and I think he's just – he's never been bad, and he's never been elite. But I think that if you have a pitching staff full of those guys and your floor week to week is pretty high, the variance in pitching, I like the consistency over – Stars and scrubs, boom and bust, you know, having the Cy Younger and then having to throw out like a Jacob Junis just because you need to meet innings minimums. Um, so I, your top three of Savali, Stroman, and Woodruff, I'm, I'm a fan of. And I think you, you know, barring injury, obviously, which is, you can say, for every pitcher, uh, is, going to, is going to be a nice baseline for you every single week. Um, you know, that's who you have anyway listed as the starters. And then you have, you know, frankly, it's a shotgun approach here with, with your, you know, with your relievers, you got Bummer, Dolis, Duffy, Fairbanks, Peralta, who I could be in the starting rotation, but could also be a dynamic reliever. And then, you know, Trevor Rosenthal as well, who I think is dealing with some injury, but he'll probably be fine. Um, and then you seem to go, you know, you have some other, like you have, you have your, your, on your bench for pitchers, you have another really reliable arm, assuming he doesn't get suspended, in Michael Pineda, who's just sort of a steady as she goes, pretty basic, but also doesn't blow up that often uh, type, of, type of pitcher who's going to be able to give you five, six innings as a start. And then you have some potential solid return on investment in Joe Musgrove and Robbie Ray. And I don't know why you paid $10 to Robbie Ray. Uh, we could talk about that. Later, oh, but this is so. This is interesting. You're hiding a lot of guys in your bench. I was wrong. You paid thirty nine dollars for Jesus Luzardo. Why are you paying thirty nine dollars for Jesus Luzardo? <laughs> you love I Jesus Luzardo. I do love him, and I traded for him, and that salary came with him. So, uh, I've, you know, I think you're dead on here. I also think uh, both Luzardo and Ray are potentially drops next year to go back into the auction again. Because yeah. of their price tags. So when you're when you're getting away with a Pineda at a buck and a Musgrove at two bucks, uh, you know you you potentially are able to get to a point of stability with your roster that you can afford to throw some of these guys back into the the you know the off season auction. I just also want to point out, Kyle, that straight to your point about how much space can you afford to devote to uh, to prospects. All the pitching prospects I have are slated to arrive this year. And so I wouldn't be holding guys like that otherwise, but Logan Gilbert, uh, Belazovich, Corbin Martin, they, they should all contribute at some point this season for me, and I don't think I'd be holding them otherwise. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, it's interesting. I also wrote up the Twins at Pitcher List this year, and I, was, I sort of went into that thinking that Belazovich was going to be my dude and came out of it being a lot more, well, a lot more impressed with uh, Duran, with Joan, 
Johan or Joan, I don't know, J-H-O-A-N. I'm just a butcherer of, of names, but so be it. Um, we'll, we'll say Joan Duran. Um, it's probably Johan. I'm sure it is, actually. Anyway, Duran. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, Duran's arsenal is pretty, it's pitchability over stuff, right? Like, Belazovic has much, much better pitchability, knows how to sequence, knows how to use all his pitches, uh, and Duran is just overpowering dudes with ridiculous weird pitches and, and high velocity and something called a splinker. And, Whatever and, that thing is, it's nasty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, and he's a giant imposing presence on the mound, whereas Belazovic is he's tall, but he doesn't have, like, that, I don't know, bulldog... I'm not going to call it a bulldog mentality, but Duran just looks like a freaking beast. So I like uh, I like all those dudes, um, and I think that even even two of two of three of those should come up this year. I don't know which two of the three, but two of three should come up. And you know, then you snuck in a higher upside play in like a guy like Pablo Lopez for six bucks. That's nice as well. Um, Martin for a dollar definitely worth worth a shot. Could be could be a pitcher in Arizona. Could give you some innings. Musgrove for $2 seems like, I don't know what people were sleeping on, but he ended the year last year striking out every single person and their mom. And it was a, he did his last game, I believe, was against Cleveland, where I think he struck out 12 or 13 batters. And Cleveland was still trying to figure out where they were going to land in the playoffs uh, in terms of positioning. So they had all their best dudes out there, and they were embarrassed um, by Musgrove's you know breaking balls. And he threw, Musgrove threw under 40% fastballs for the first time in his career last year and he had a little injury stuff at the beginning of the year but by the end of the year I mean he put together I think three consecutive 10k games at least two and I mean now that he's got the the potential to to have a lot of support um both defensively and offensively in San Diego I, I dig it um so I I think you I mean, the, the relievers, who knows, right? I think to Mike's point earlier, it's like, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with relievers. Get a bunch of you think can be solid and, and have a good shot to maybe close some games or get some holds, and that's really all you can do and hope for the best and, and then troll the wire for, for the dudes that come out of nowhere, of which there's many, many every single year. Um, but you, you spent on the hitters, and you got value on the pitchers, and generally speaking, I like that. And you don't have anyone who's super far away so that if, if everything just completely collapses on you, like you said, you can toss some dudes back into the auction next year and, and get some budget and, and retool and refresh. So that's, uh, that's sort of the triage on this thing. Well, I appreciate that, Kyle. Mike, I, I want to uh, flip back to you on the pitching comments just, just for a second. The only odd stat category in this league on the pitching side is home runs per nine. And so, Mike, you – were, you, you came into the show this week talking about the draft that you're doing right now and looking for uh, sneaky RP value. I would just point out that when you, when you look at league settings, it's really important to take into account if a league is saves plus holds, especially um, where there might be quirky stats like batting average against or, uh, you know, any of that type of stuff, OPS allowed, any of the look for quirky stats because it is a great way to look for hidden value. And in this league with home runs per nine, I went, to sneak in on guys like Aaron Bummer because of the ground ball rate. And I think it's an underappreciated or lost stat. Aaron Bummer's uh, home run per nine is under a half. Whereas, is, this, is this a roto league or is it head-to-head? Head-to-head. Head-to-head caps. Head-to-head home runs per nine. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a wild stat. Yeah, you so could have I, a guy totally blow it one week. You could, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, again <laughs> – Back to your uh, earlier comments, Mike. I also have Freddie Peralta sitting there for three dollars, and um, and I think that's a you know that's a sneaky weapon for three bucks. So I 
if he ends up in the rotation, I'm super happy because of the strikeouts. But if he doesn't, I'm still super happy because of uh, his K rate and and what he'll do to to the to the rate stats from the bullpen. So, uh, Mike, would love your your quick take on uh, on how my Reno Aces look. No, it sounds pretty good. I was watching uh, some Freddie Peralta last night. That slider's unreal. Yeah, he's nasty. Yeah, man, it's 79 miles an hour, but guys just look silly trying to hit it. Yeah, uh, he gets. I don't know. He, he throws. He throws all kinds of different fastball velocities. You notice that he goes about 92, 94, 96. Sometimes he'll get up 97, and that slider is just a wipeout. Like they they look so off balance. No, I really like that team. I'd like Kyle to do a rundown on my Kenny Powers team one week. Ooh, how's yeah, Paul? I think you got to get rid of uh, Dominguez, man. That's a lot of money. That's not me. That's somebody else. Thank God. Oh, okay. You don't have Dominguez for 23 bucks? No, somebody else does. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Gee. All right. No, I like right, that so team. We, we, it sounds, Kyle, like we have another house call for a future visit, and uh, we appreciate the the doc putting on his uh, his lab coat and taking a deep dive on this. So thank you, Doc Brown, for, for taking a look at the Reno Aces this week. Hey, hey Doc, while you're still there, i got six hitters I'd like you to tell me, three the three the best ones of them all. Yep, let's do it. Can you do that quick? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I got three, uh, six guys here in my Kenny Powers League that are all kind of the same kind of player. They're all, they're all, uh, they need a shot, basically. So I want, I'm going to say them all out loud. You kind of tell me, pick three of the, the top six. So I got Edward Olivares, Kansas City, Ryan McKenna, Baltimore, Buddy Reed, who uh, just got hurt in Oakland, uh, Jose Siri from Houston, Jason Martin, who used to be a Pittsburgh Pirate, but he's now in Texas, and Ramon Urias. Hmm. And I got to pick three of those guys, huh? This yeah. Is the late bloomer crowd, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Do you like any of them? I do. I mean, I like Oliveris. Uh, I think he's going to be given opportunity, and it sort of goes back to, you know, getting out of getting getting out of. I mean, he's been in many. He's been many many different places at this point. But I like. I like Kansas City right now as like a proving ground for a lot of players, you know, and, and that's Olivares, yeah. that's Benintendi, that's, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of, I mean, hell, even Jorge Soler needs to rebound after not being good last year after hitting 48 home runs. So I, I like that because I think the opportunity will be there and they have the ability to give him a longer leash. I may have even, I may have even wanted to, yeah, to, to go with, with Reed here, but the injury does worry me there a little bit. So there was uh, so we had. Let's see. Can you run me run me those names just just rapid fire again uh, without the teams? Oliveras, Ryan McKenna, Buddy Reed, Jose Siri, Jason Martin, Ramon Urias. I'm probably going Siri and McKenna. Um, and I I like what McKenna. I guess I like that he's in that he's in Baltimore. Um, and I think Baltimore made a really really savvy move when they traded Michael Gibbons for a bunch of like decent players uh, when it comes to thinking about deeper leagues Uh, and McKenna isn't anything too special, but I like that, you know, I like players that are able to get a do a little bit better when it comes to generating walks, you know, getting that floor up a little bit. And, you know, he, in my opinion, he's going to, he just has a better pathway to playing time is going to be there because he's not the kind of guy you're going to, you're not really going to worry about service time with Ryan McKenna. You're going to see what you have in Baltimore because you probably don't see him as a as a big riser necessarily or someone you need to make sure you hold on to for that fourth and fifth year. 
and you know that's a tiny little ballpark and he's playing around other tiny little ballparks in New York and Toronto slash Buffalo slash Dunedin and um yeah so I think I think I'd go with McKenna as my as my second guy and then Jose Siri is probably the other guy that I would go with and he's he's getting up there in age and his his hit tool is terrible um but he <laughs> But if if someone lets him play, and I mean, I guess Houston got him to, to you know to see if they can let him play. He's one of those you know power speed threats that just can't put the bat on the ball enough to to make it happen. So remember he yeah. had that. Remember he had that like sixty game hitting streak in the minors a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it must have been the year he hit two ninety three or three twenty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think those are the guys that I would go with. I mean, I'm I'm off Jason Martin. Um, and 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 a little bit. I think if if of those six, I'd go with those three. I'd go with McKenna, Siri, and uh, whoever the guy said first. Oliveris, yeah. Oliveris, okay. yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, buddy. I got to tell you too that that one magical year for Siri where he went 24 homers and 46 steals. Oh my God! Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Imagine imagine he could come out of nowhere in in the majors and kind of throw something sort of similar to that. Maybe fifteen thirty, that'd be awesome. That'd be nice. Even if he hits two thirty, I mean, that's you're gonna plug that in in a deep league. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We love house calls with Doc Brown. Thank you, Doc, for spending that time on our on our teams this week. Yeah. No worries. Mike, do you have any uh, Vlad Dito parting thoughts for us? I mean, obviously everybody's got a hard on for for uh, what he's doing in spring training, so. What's your take on uh, on how Vlad looks this spring? Man, he's he's hitting the ball hard. He's he's every. I think he hit three balls the other day. I think he went three for three, and they were all over 110 miles an hour exit velo. So he's not missing the ball, which is very nice. But don't don't sleep on Alejandro Kirk. For sure. Like Kyle, like Kyle said, the little guys, man. He's he's putting balls out of the ballpark all up from foul pole to foul pole, and it's just fun to watch. It is fun to watch. You say he's don't a, sleep. You say don't sleep on him, but honestly, he is a giant pillow. So I think of all Major League Baseball players, <laughs> he might be the best player to sleep on, other yeah, than Bartolo took, Colon, who's you know. He, he took over for Vladdy, that's for sure, in that department. Come on, guys! I'm your resident Twins fan. I'm going back to La Tortuga for this one. Oh, uh, the <laughs> old Williams, the old 80 grade hit tool on Fangraphs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Flaming hair, running to third. Love it. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> All right, guys, that's been this week's episode of The Unranked. Thanks so much to Kyle Brown for joining us this week. Kyle, just remind everybody where they can find your stuff on PitcherList. Uh, you can find me on PitcherList. You can find me at the Dynasty Guru, and you can find me on Twitter and at me with whatever, um, at Caught Looking, spelled with a V instead of a U. Thank you, sir. And Mike Regasis, remind everybody where they can find you. You can find me in bed because I'm going back to sleep. But on Twitter, it's at Mike Craigsis, uh, at M-I-K-E-K-R-I-E-G-I-Z-A-S. I need to come up with a nicer a nicer name like you guys got. But, Dynasty Mike. Okay. Look for Dynasty Mike or something like it. Dynasty Mike. Oh, okay. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just a bum with a bunch of dreams. <laughs> we love those bums. We love them. And, and I'm going to go shut my eyes and, and see some more of those dreams. Thank you, boys. That has been The Unranked for this week. Thank you. All right, well, that wraps up another episode of The Unranked. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. We had a lot of fun making this episode. 
If you'd like Doc Brown to take a look at your Dynasty team for a house call, email us at podcast at figurefilbert.com. That's podcast at F-I-G-G-E-R-F-I-L-B-E-R-T dot com. Let us know what kind of league it is, what your settings look like, what kinds of rosters you're competing against, who the leaders are, and whether you're rebuilding, retooling, or competing to win. Doc Brown will take a look in a future episode. If you've got questions or suggestions, we want to hear from you. One more time, that's podcast at figurefilbert.com. On our next episode, we'll do an opening day preview. We'll look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for joining The Unranked.